was a lot of work independently to get here and to be here. I think that there's incredible value in doing it independently because it makes you really, really, really interrogate what you want to be doing, who you want to be talking to, and what opportunities are enticing to you. I think when I did go and kind of try to seek general career guidance, it felt like a prescription. It felt like you were going to the pharmacy or the doctor and they said, here's a prescription to get a job that will pay you, have a great career. And when I had to do it myself, it felt like I was drawing a map while sailing a boat. But ultimately, I got to draw my own map and I got to figure out what are the things I want to put on the map, what are the stops I want to take, and all of those different kind of things. Welcome back to Paths to Purpose. Thanks again for joining us. Today we are joined by another guest and we're going to talk more in depth about this process through her lens as she has worked with both Alan and myself over the years. But before we get started, Alan, did you have any reflections following our conversation with Kara last week? Yeah, I thought what Kara brought to the table was really interesting in reflecting and actually being honest about the fact that she kind of decides her project selection through learning and she pivots frequently. And for many people, they see that as, as something that's not normal, but actually what I found is it's very normal. And I think the ability to kind of, and it actually goes back a little bit to what Monique had said earlier, when she evaluates and takes the temperature of what she's working on for projects, she, she's constantly asking herself, am I learning? And if not, then maybe it's time to view another outlet. So I think Kara's approach is more about, you know, following her own need to kind of learn and grow. And then it's not surprising to see her pivoting frequently. And that's actually a normal path for some people. That, and I think the whole goal of this podcast, again, just to bring it all home is we're going to showcase so many different people with very different paths and stories. And I think everyone that we feature has approached this problem differently. And that's, what's exciting. And we hope that by, you know, sharing these different stories that you will find a person that you resonate with and that their approach resonates with you. And that's kind of the whole goal of what we're doing here. So without further ado, let's get into our interview with Phoebe. This week, we are joined by Phoebe Cluck, who Alan and I have both worked with over the years and has quickly become one of my great friends. Phoebe is currently a strategic project coordinator with Girl Effect and recently completed her master's in gender development and globalization at the London School of Economics. She previously held jobs at the University of Cambridge, interned with Tega, a research tool that was created by Girl Effect at the Rocky Mountain Partnership and taught refugee youth in Colorado. And she also worked in business administration and operations roles at the Leeds School of Business and the Joe Cox Foundation. Phoebe, thank you so much for coming on and joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. I'm very excited to be here. We're very excited to get to share your story with our listeners in the world. Um, can we kind of start by talking a little bit about what you do currently and how you got involved in this process? Yeah, of course. So I currently work for a global nonprofit called Girl Effect. We predominantly work in countries um, in Asia and Africa with um, adolescent girls and young women. And the goal is really to um, equip girls with the tools and opportunities to make life-changing decisions. And I got involved with this process when I was um, a second year at the University of Colorado Boulder. That's when I met 
Allen, and it was a very unique time, I would say, kind of in my life. I was starting to feel a bit of dissonance between myself and and my peers at the business school. Um, And not all of them, but some of them, I felt like were very profit driven. And that was kind of their one goal and aim was to amass as much wealth as they could in their lives. And I've always seen money as kind of something that can help you have a larger impact in the world, um, but not something that was my end goal. And so I started working with Alan and we interrogated what it was that was important to me, what my intrinsic skill set was, who I wanted to impact in the world, um, and, and what kind of I wanted my legacy to be. And from there, uh, the question that stuck with me, which is interesting, uh, Danielle, that the question that stuck with you was what pisses you off. The question that stuck with me was if there's one person in the world that you could help, who is that person and why? And I immediately knew that that was a woman or a girl. I um, immediately knew that that person had not had access to the same opportunities, um, resources that I had had access to. And from there, I, I kind of took, you know, that woman or that girl who hasn't had what I've had. And I looked at the world and I looked at the landscape and Alan and I kind of looked at, okay, where is the need? And that's when I became interested in global migration, forced migration, and the refugee community. And and so from there, um, my passion and my purpose has kind of spiraled. And I have had quite a few opportunities, which Danielle beautifully listed, um, working with refugee youth, working with nonprofits, getting um, business experience in a variety of different ways, um, and ultimately has led me here to my job at Girl Effect, which admittedly was my dream job when I first started this process. I was so excited when you got that job. So I would just like to say congratulations to you because you have just, you've been in this role now for a couple of months, right? It's, it's been a long time coming. Yeah, just okay, yeah, it's very exciting. Um, so I guess kind of to back up a little bit back into the process and before you got to this amazing new role that you're in, um, how did you kind of feel when you first started out? And I remember meeting you when you were starting out too, and it was really exciting. Like we got coffee together and um, you were kind of just telling me about all the things that you had done so far and the the energy that you had around kind of this new approach, I just remember was really electric and exciting to me. Um, But yeah, how did you feel when you first like met Alan or like were introduced to this concept? That's a great question. I felt a combination of excitement, nervousness, and fit. I don't know if that's the right word, but I felt like kind of from the beginning that this was something that that was going to resonate with me. I've always been someone who is very analytical, someone who likes to um, really think deeply about things and to look intrinsically. And so when we first began, the questions that Alan was asking um, really inspired me and really made me think about, okay, actually, what, who is it that I want to impact? And what is um, what is my goal kind of here and what pisses me off and what keeps me up at night and what makes me post on social media because I feel so compelled to act. And um, so I immediately felt drawn to the process. I immediately felt like this was something that I was going to be interested in. And I also felt a deep sense of nervousness, anxiety, 
um, around how am I going to communicate this to my family? How am I going to do this? Am I ever going to be successful? Am I ever going to make money? How do I take this generic CV that I have that has nothing to do with any of this passion on it? And how do I turn it into something that employers would like, that schools would like, and that ultimately would resonate with me, ultimately would, would you know, show my purpose on paper. So, so Phoebe, I want to follow up on that and thank you for sharing your story so far. How, how did you work through that? Because I recall vividly that you had a lot of anxieties, you noted, and you're getting a lot of noise. And I recall even moments where you were really upset in some way or something agitated by the fact that your friends had clarity on career path and you were stuck in this sort of how how do I how do I move forward so how did you process all of this and get through it yeah that's a great question i think um now i perhaps look back with with rose tinted glasses so you may remember all of that anxiety um and i feel like i've kind of like glossed over it almost in some ways, maybe perhaps because I feel like I'm there now or closer. Oh, to oh it was, it was real. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it was knowing myself. I'm sure it was. So um, I'd say that I worked through it very cautiously. I, I really listened to something that you had said, Alan, about opportunities when when you kind of sent me originally 10 or 15 opportunities and and you were trying to do kind of like a temperature check right on a scale of one to ten if you could do this thing tomorrow would you I was very cautious about that and I really really did listen to myself about am I am I anxious and excited if the excitement is there then go for it and if I'm just anxious and the anxiety is crippling in a way that doesn't feel like it aligns with me, then step back. And so I kind of used that sense check. That was something that Alan that Alan taught me. Um, I kind of used that sense check to figure out what it was because I realized, I think in the process, I'm so interested in doing this, but then it felt like the entire world opened up to me. And so from, from kind of overnight, it felt like I went from having a very clear, like, I'm going to go to the career center and I'm going to find an internship in management and I'm going to do that this <laughs> summer. It changed from that to you could do anything in the world. You could learn about anything. You could pursue any opportunity. You could talk to anybody on the phone tomorrow. So what do you want to do? And I think that's where the anxiety really came in. <laughs> I think that's so true. And I remember feeling that myself as well when I did this process too, because it, you're right, it's like a switch flips and you go from having no clue how any of this would even be possible to getting over that like doubtful hurdle and being like, okay, now I think that it could be possible, but oh my gosh, there's so many ways to go about it. Which one do I pick? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's super anxiety inducing. Um, I think one thing that I wanted to ask you about that I definitely experienced in this process was kind of the impact that this work and this kind of different approach to career paths had on like personal relationships. And when I did this process, candidly, I definitely lost friends and had moments with even like my parents that were like, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, you have these very, um, specific experiences that you've had so far and you know why would you stray the course kind of and why would you go against the grain and all very well intentioned I think but that 
that did cause, um, you know, certain relationships to end and to change. And I wanted to ask you about that because I know that we've talked about that personally, but just kind of the impact that this has had on your support network. Yeah. So I will say that I think that this process ultimately had a really positive impact on my relationships, but whether they be familial, personal, friend, all of those those kind of relationships, because it allowed me to know myself better, to stand more strongly or more firmly in my shoes. And ultimately, I think that that makes relationships that are you know, strong, um, stronger. And it, it, it gave me the opportunity to show the people around me in my life that I am someone who is going to reconsider what their purpose is regularly, who's going to reevaluate what is important to me. Where do I want to live in the world? What do I want to do? What is the impact that I want to have? And so at the time, it was very difficult for some people. And, and you know, sometimes it's still difficult because um, people have to readjust their expectations of you, perhaps, because they know you in one way. And so when you show them that you are willing and interested and able to grow and change, sometimes that can be difficult. But ultimately, I think it it made my relationships stronger because I was able to articulate in many different ways to many different people why this was what I was so passionate about. So for my parents, I knew that I needed to address the underlying concern of of security and money, essentially, which is, is, I would say, many parents' concern. Many parents and family members, whoever it is, they want you to have a life that was better than the life that they had. And they want you to, at the end of the day, be secure and, and stable. And so I had to figure out how do I talk to them and reassure them that I will be okay? And also, how do I convey that this is the thing that's going to make me happy, going to make me fulfilled, and in turn, I will ensure that that I'll be secure, essentially. So, so oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I just had a quick follow-up. With respect to the financial security piece, how mm-hmm. did you communicate that? Because one thing that strikes me, and, and particularly did when I was in the undergraduate business schools, is that the template for job placement into financially secure roles is immediately in front of you. This required a completely different path that you fundamentally had to do on your own. Mm-hmm. So here you are in your maybe 20s, you've got parents who think they know the world better. So how, how did you have that conversation? How did that work? It was many, many, many conversations. My parents are incredibly supportive and have facilitated so much of what has got me here. And also they were very anxious and concerned and worried about me and my brothers were as well. And so the I had those conversations over time and I really tried to stress that I was, was, this was the thing that was going to fulfill me first and foremost, to try to kind of really convey, this is not a whim for me. This is my life. This is what I want to do. This is the impact that I want to have. And also I tried to show them in many ways that I was thinking about being, finding ways to be financially secure in that path. So 
I, I was kind of trying to navigate those two things. This is my passion. I know that you're worried about me being financially secure. I will take care of that. I will do the legwork. Did it, did it help? And did you introduce data from people with whom you spoke in the career? Did that help at all? Yes. So one of the things that I did when I was speaking to my parents was kind of showing them examples of success, what it would look like to be in this path, to be working on these issues and to also be, um, to be secure. I think we have this idea that security only exists in these large corporations or it only exists in these certain pockets or certain jobs. And the reality is, is that there, there can be certainty in many different ways. And certainty looks very different to different people. And so I had to have frank conversations about, I, I perhaps will not see the wealth that someone working in iBanking will see. I, I may not see that wealth ever, but that's not my level of success. That's not my meter of success. And that's okay because I I don't want that, you know, per se. Like I, if I had the opportunity to do that and to take that financially secure path, I would not. And I know that for a fact. So Phoebe, um, one of the questions we ask pretty much all of our guests for a reason, because we think it actually arises is have you, at at what points have you felt imposter syndrome and how do you, how do you grapple with that? Absolutely. I have felt imposter syndrome at every stage of my life and career path. And I feel it to this very day. I have noticed imposter syndrome kind of in, in two ways. And I I handle it kind of in two ways. So I notice that imposter syndrome from me comes from comparing myself to others most of the time, if not all of the time. And it could be comparing myself to people who are in my field. And it could also be comparing myself to other people who are not in my field at all. Perhaps my peers, who, as we kind of talked about, are taking more financially secure paths, who are taking different paths, whatever that might look like. So I think I, I handle this in a diff- I handle this in kind of different ways. So one of the ways that I, I work through this is I look at, at those, those people that I'm comparing myself to, and I map that onto the feeling that I'm having, which is I'm not doing enough. I'm not working hard enough. I'm not reading enough books. I'm not making enough money. I'm not where I need to be in my career based on where everyone else is in their career. And I have to really calm those voices. And that's very difficult to do, but I have to calm those voices. And I have to kind of put myself in a situation where I think about if you could drop everything that you're doing and you could do what they're doing tomorrow, would you do it? And most of the time, the answer is no, because I know in my heart of hearts that this is what I'm doing, that this is what I'm good at, that this is where I'm best positioned to be. And so I wouldn't take those opportunities. Even people who are in my own field, I most of the time won't take I wouldn't drop everything to go do that because it's not the experience that I have. It's not what I've come to know and learn um, and to think and, and to do. And so that helps me feel really grounded in where I'm at and helps me remind myself that, that this is my path and this is my purpose. And then the other way that I handle this is doing something that that Alan talked to me about very early on is when I was looking at people in my career path, I was getting very overwhelmed 
at where they were, how far along they were, the experiences that they had had. I didn't understand how they got there, uh, quite frankly, in this in this field, in development, in nonprofit, in policy, you the barriers to entry, I would say, are quite high. I mean, some some internships require a master's degree for an unpaid internship or they require three years of experience of paid experience for an unpaid internship. So these were the kind of barriers that I was coming across. And that made me feel like an imposter because I felt like the only people that could get these positions were people that were vastly, vastly better. And I want to say better in quotation marks, better than me. And Alan, you helped me realize that is it ability or is it experience? Are you innately not positioned or not able to go and take those opportunities and to change the world in those spaces? Or do the people in those experiences and in those opportunities have more experience than you? And if you got those experiences, could you become that person? And and that's something that helped me fight imposter syndrome as well. Everything you just said is so powerful. And I just think it's so important to yeah, acknowledge that like you are sitting in your, all of your experiences, all of who you are as a human being. And you're like, this is me. This is what I want to do. And I'm going to go do it. And I just want to applaud you for that because that is so powerful. And it's so incredible to see just as someone who knows and cares about you, but also just listening to your story as a trying to be outside third party. Um, The other thing that I wanted to ask you about though, is kind of along the lines of what you just said. And I think One of the daunting things about this process is once you've determined what it is that you care about and what your purpose is, what you're passionate about, the field that you want to get into, there might be lots of barriers to entry, but there's also just this anxiety about taking the first step and knowing what to do and kind of how, how to pick something to kind of start this path to your ultimate end goal. Um, how did you decide, you know, how did you go from being a quote unquote traditional business student to kind of pivoting and going into a career focused on women and girls? And how did you kind of pick a first engagement and what was it? That is a great question. So as I kind of said earlier, I was really overwhelmed with all of the opportunities that existed for me once I kind of got over the hurdle of, oh, you could actually do this. It's like, okay, now what are you going to do? And so I, I did experience a lot of doubt in that process and a lot of, it took me a while to figure out what it was that that I wanted to kind of do and, and where to step. And I think at some point I realized that I just had to make a step and to do something as opposed to kind of overanalyzing what would the step be? What would the step say about me, about my path? Would it line me up correctly in every perfect way for the future? I think I realized that the best step was, was a step. And so I went back to who is the person in the world that you want to help, um, that you'd want to impact, that you'd want to support um, in your life. And I tried to figure out what is the what are the skills that I need in order to be an effective change maker. And so I looked at if you are interested in working with the refugee community, then you should probably understand what global refugee policy and law looks like. Where can you find those skills? Who can you talk to about that? 
And then I kind of went from there. And so then I went, okay, if I understand this at a policy and a law level, then maybe I should leave my very white community and I should engage with the refugee community in some meaningful way. How do I do that? Am I positioned to do that? What, if any, role or or place do I have ethically in doing that? And, and so I went from there and I kind of took one step and I thought about, all right, what would I need to know at this step? Okay, now that I've done that, what do I need to know next? And I looked at it kind of um, as, as building blocks in a way. So I think that's amazing. And one of the things that's resonating with me is that you did this independently. And that's where a lot of the anxiety comes from. So in contrast, many of your colleagues were basically coached or positioned or recruited actively without a lot of this effort. Do you think there's value in doing it independently? And and also, do you think we should somehow find a way to make it easier for those who might follow you? And if so, how? Those are... Yes, absolutely. I will say I did have some coaching. You helped me with the process. Um, So I can't take full independent credit, but I will agree that I I sourced quite a few opportunities myself. I did a lot of searching. I did a lot of figuring out what the projects were that were enticing to me, who those people were, where they sat, um, what they did. And I did end up getting quite a few internships from reaching out to people on LinkedIn, from, you know, exploring opportunities from the current role that I have right now. The I previously interned um, with a Girl Effect team and in an unpaid internship, which I sourced via LinkedIn, via messaging someone who I had saw had gotten the job because I had looked at the job board and then I had waited until I found out who got the job. So it was this very long path. It was so much work and it finally got me in the door to have that internship. And then three, how many years later has it been? I think almost five years later, I was able to get a full-time job with that organization because of the people that I knew at that internship, at that unpaid internship. And so it was a lot of work independently to get here and to be here. I think that there's incredible value in doing it independently because it makes you really, really, really interrogate what you want to be doing who you want to be talking to, and what opportunities are enticing to you. I think when I did go and kind of try to seek general career guidance, it felt like a prescription. It felt like you were going to the pharmacy or the doctor, and they said, here's a prescription to get a job that will pay you, have a great career. And when I had to do it myself, it felt like I was drawing a map while sailing a boat, But ultimately, I got to draw my own map and I got to figure out what are the things I want to put on the map, what are the stops I want to take and all of those different kind of things. And then, Alan, you touched upon something that I I really want to touch upon is is that how can we make this process better, perhaps easier and ultimately for me more inclusive? So I need to be very honest and transparent that I was able to take many unpaid internships because I had familial financial support because of the privilege that I had. And the reality is, is that so many talented, wonderful, insightful people with diverse backgrounds, with 
um, so much knowledge are not in these rooms because they perhaps do not have the ability to take an unpaid internship, right? Or, or to take five unpaid internships or to get a master's degree before an internship. And so something in my career that I'm really interested in doing is figuring out how can I, at every step of my career, turn around and pull people up with me? And ultimately, how can I change a system that wants me to be in the room, right? That puts me in the room. But how do I, I change the system so that it's not just me in the room who could take an unpaid internship? You know, and this room could be the UN, for example. I think, you know, the UN is built for me to sit in the room. The UN is not built for someone who can't take unpaid internships to sit in the room. And I think that that's a really, um, a really big loss. Absolutely. Uh, to everything that you just said, I think that's something I've also been exploring myself um, as someone who is going into an unpaid internship this summer in law school. Um, it's something that is such a systemic issue and you really don't think about the ramifications of it when you are in a privileged position and you're able to do that. And I think it's so problematic that so many higher education institutions are built on this idea of, um, you know, positioning students to go and do these really cool experiences that will lead to good employment jobs in the future, but at the time aren't financially um, stable. And that just takes out a whole slew of students that would be incredible in those roles. And it's, yeah, just everything you said about, um, it just being this huge systemic issue that's contributing to all these issues that we're seeing in the equity and inclusion spaces are, it's just such a problem. Um, so yeah, I totally agree with everything you just said. Um, I guess to kind of wrap things up, I wanted to ask you as someone who has done this process in fall um, and you've been listening and following along to the podcast, thank you for your support. Um, what advice do you have for people who are working through this alone? And you just touched on how you've kind of gone through this yourself and in um, you know, capacity of being able to talk to Alan and myself, other people, but you know, mainly alone. Um, what advice do you have for people that are just learning about this organically from two strangers on the internet? And you know, how can they take action and move forward in the spaces that they want to engage? My advice, I have, I feel like a few little pieces of advice. My advice would be to find a support system. I think that that is really, really key because even if you are doing the, the process independently, and I, I think it's critical to have people who support you and who will push you and who will continue to ask questions of you, that will ultimately make you um, a better a better person and will make you refine your purpose over and over and over. And that's kind of my second piece of advice is start talking about what's in your head. Start talking about what you're thinking your purpose might be. It took me quite a while of, of saying it out loud until I believed it, until I actually thought I could do it until I got people on board. And, and I think that was something so valuable is that when I started to pick up the phone and call people who were in this space and say, do you have 15 minutes to talk to me? 
I started to figure out, okay, well, what do I say at the beginning of the call? What is my introduction? Who am I? And the more that I focused on that little pitch, the more refined my purpose got. Um, and so I think that's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you say it, I think you can do it. <laughs> if you say it, then you'll start to mean it. And if you mean it, then you'll, then you'll start to do it. So that's some advice that I have. Um, and then I would say other advice I have is to um, try not to get overwhelmed. You will get overwhelmed, but try to really regulate those voices, whether they be self-doubt, whether they be imposter syndrome, whether they be actually external voices that have now turned into internal voices, which are, you won't be successful. You don't know what you're doing. What is this? you're not going to make any money, et cetera. And so really, really, really try to regulate those voices. Um, because, you know, we, we talk to ourselves more than we talk to anyone else. I think I'm always talking to myself in my head and what you say to yourself is, is hugely impactful on what you believe and what you think you can do and the impact that you have. Um, and so try to regulate those voices, try to try to remember that other people have had access to opportunities that you perhaps have not had. And that doesn't make you less qualified in this space. It just means that you need to figure out how to get those opportunities um, and how to map your pathway forward. And my last piece of advice is to enjoy it. This has been, a, it sounds so cheesy, but this has been a life-changing process for me. It sounds like I'm selling, trying to sell something, but just, just doing this process has been life-changing <laughs> for me. It has changed the way that I see my impact in the world. It has changed my relationships for the better. It has made me a more conscious person. It has made me recognize where my blind spots exist and how I can work to fill them. And so I, I cannot recommend the process enough and I think enjoy it. Um, and I can't wait to see all of the wonderful people who, who choose purposeful paths because of this podcast, because of Alan, because of Danielle. I, I don't even know how to follow that up. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a remarkable story, a remarkable story, courage, you know, courage throughout the whole system. I, I just, it's, I have such a vivid recollection, recollection of the anxiety, the doubt, the self-doubt, the outside voices, um, how easy it was to just blow this whole thing off and go down the easy path. Cause you would have been extremely good at all the traditional stuff, but anyway, it's been a pleasure working with you. And I, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate what you just shared with us. Thank you guys for having me. It's been delightful to speak with you. I have absolutely loved listening to all of the podcasts and, and hearing from all of your wonderful guests. And I'm so honored to be one of them. You're just going to make me cry. I'm like over here. Just, yeah, you're just so wonderful. And yeah, we appreciate you so much. And like Alan, I also have a vivid memory of sitting outside and having coffee with you for the first time and just being blown away by how much energy you had and how articulate you were and all of these things are still true today but you just have this fire under you about what you care about the people who you want to impact and that is just so powerful and beautiful and I'm just so thankful to know you and to be a friend and yeah to have you today to share your story 
Um, before we wrap things up, I wanted to ask if you wanted to share any social media or work or any websites or anything um, that kind of touch on any of the topics that you discussed today with our listeners. You can absolutely find me on LinkedIn um, and you can also find me on Instagram. It's actually where I'm most active and it's where I like to share um, a lot of the people that I've learned from and that I continue to learn from. Um, so I'm on there and then I'm also on Twitter, slightly less active, but also there. Amazing. Thank you so much, Phoebe. We really appreciate your time today. Um, thanks everyone for listening. If you have any thoughts or feedback as per usual, you can go over to our Instagram at pads to purpose pod, or our email is pads to purpose pod to number two purpose pod at gmail.com. And we will see you next week. Bye.